All right, hello and welcome to a new episode of the Jack Hallows podcast. I hope everybody is keeping well. Today, I'm going to be exposing myself on the internet. No, I haven't started an OnlyFans. I'm going to be going through some of the bullshit that I used to believe fell for, whatever you want to call it in the fitness industry, and just talk through a few things I've changed my mind on and why. I thought this would be a fun thing to do because it's not only educational for all of you, but I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday and we were kind of comparing dumb shit we used to buy into nutritionally before we knew better. And I know there's going to be people out there who may listen to this who are still being influenced by certain corners of the fitness industry to do some less than ideal things. So yeah, hopefully this helps some of you out. And to be honest, (laughs) there's a lot of them that I'm going to leave out of this episode. So if you like it, leave a five-star review. Let me know that you liked the show and I'll be happy to do more and more episodes of this because we could go on forever hours with this um on that though if you haven't left a review please consider doing so especially if you are a return listener uh, it does help me push this show out to more people as does sharing it on the socials if you feel so inclined i always really appreciate when i see you all listening and tagging me on instagram and finally if you don't ever want to miss an episode because we do have some cool ones planned for the next few months I did take a bit of a break to get a few things sorted but i am back now planning on doing one a week don't forget to follow the show as well i do share these episodes to my mailing list on my instagram but i never know who sees them so easiest way to never miss an episode is just click the follow button okay so to give you some context i've been training and following fitness content closely since i was about 19 years old which was 2015 2016 feels like a lifetime ago now but it was truly just a hobby back then and i really enjoyed watching youtube videos from influencers more than actually researching training and nutrition I then started coaching people in 2018, which is where my real love for nerding out on all things training actually started and where I started to really educate myself a little bit more. So I'm going to give you all three things I've changed my mind on in that time since 2018 related to training, three things related to nutrition, and then I've got a bonus one at the end too. So to start with training, the first thing is going to be training frequency. I came into the industry around the time that papers were being published claiming that training a muscle more times per week where volume is equated was likely going to be the best way to go about things for muscle growth especially. You know, I was a really big fan of like Jeff Nippard, for example. I still am. I really like his content and he's a really smart dude. Um, And he was really big on push-pull legs back then. And a lot of the bodybuilders and influencers that I looked up to at the time, don't judge me for that sentence, were doing the same thing. It was always, if you can train a muscle twice a week, do it. However, in probably the last two years, I've really come around to the idea that training frequency is actually an extremely personal thing and probably depends on a few variables. Number one, your actual schedule. Like, can you actually train each muscle twice a week or are you going to be better off prioritizing one or two muscle groups two times a week and then doing everything else maybe once? For example, with a lot of my female clients, four days a week is a very common frequency I use as a training split. And as delts and glutes seem to be the most frequently requested muscle groups to see progress in, I'll use the following training split. Monday is glutes and delts. Tuesday, off. Wednesday is quads and hamstrings. Thursday is upper body with a back focus, but still some delt work and some arm work. Friday is off. Saturday, lower body with glute focus. Sunday, off. This way, the glutes get hit twice a week with real focus, as do the delts. And then everything else is still worked hard, just with less volume. The second big thing is how hard do you actually push yourself when training? For myself, I've actually spent much of the past 18 months with my coach Mark doing either a bro split or a variation on the bro split where we do a six-day rotation of chest, triceps, back, biceps, off, legs, shoulders, arms, off, repeat. And this has really helped me push harder in my sessions because... I know I don't have to train a muscle group again for another six to seven days. So in my working sets, I'm making sure that I'm really truly asking myself to go hard in that naught to two reps in reserve range and pushing myself a lot harder because I know I've got that recovery time. 
However, for newer lifters or those who maybe don't have as much confidence doing this yet, you're going to need more work to get the same results. So potentially training a muscle group two to three times may be required because then you can perform more sets and offset some of that lower intensity. Finally, women actually seem to be able to handle higher training volumes than men. And this may be due to absolute strength levels because if you take an untrained group of women and an untrained group of men, as they do in most of these studies, you'll likely see the group of men on average move more weight, potentially needing a bit more recovery time between sessions. But then if you take someone who's a really advanced trainee, like, you know, some of my ladies absolutely smash it out the park in terms of like if you were to compare their weight to some of the dudes you see lifting in commercial gyms they fucking lift heavier than them um potentially then they may require a little bit more time to recover from that but you know overall for me training frequency is like really dipped in my list of importance when it comes to making progress and i'm no longer married to the whole let's train a muscle group two times minimum and instead i really enjoy spending time figuring out what the best approach for each client is in front of me Number two on training, barbells and compound lifts. So when I started training, as I said, I love Jeff, Jeff Nippard's content. I was a big fan of Steve Cook and fitness culture. And I also really liked a lot of the UK guys as well, like Mike Thurston, Joe Delaney, Matt Does Fitness. And one of the main things that a lot of these guys did was they lifted really heavy and they were all really big and strong. They used a lot of barbell lifts at the time. Um, I think Jeff and Matt especially were really fucking strong guys back in the day. Uh, I, I don't know what their content's really doing these days with lifting, but back then, you know, I remember Jeff doing a lot of deadlift videos, Matt as well. And so for me, I felt like the barbell lifts were absolute necessities if you wanted to grow. And I really enjoyed that kind of power building style whereby, you know, you built your program around the barbell movements and then you did a lot of hypertrophy stuff afterwards. And I still really like training that way. Um, but even when I started doing more education behind programming and training with Mark, I was still like, okay, everyone's got a squat. Everyone's got a deadlift in some way, shape or form. Everyone should do some form of barbell press and barbell row. And the reality is they're all fucking phenomenal exercises, but they're not the only way to do things. And to be honest, for a lot of lifters, I think dumbbells and machines that allow freedom of arm path and movement probably going to be just as good, if not a better way to go in the long run, especially if you're an otherwise fairly sedentary lifter with some aches, pains, and postural issues. And I will admit, I probably went a little too far the other way about two years ago. And I started being like, fuck barbells. It's all about cables and machines and dumbbells. Um, but these days really like <laughs> it's just a balanced approach. And you'll kind of see with a lot of these that these days I do take a very balanced approach on things. And I know that doesn't really bring in the likes and the views on social media, but that's how coaching is. That's how fitness is. You should be taking a balanced approach and not trying to be really black or white with your statements all the time, even though that is what kind of gets the likes. Um, so yeah, I don't think barbells are the be all end all, but I do also kind of despise the movement on social media by some of these self-proclaimed movement optimists who have never trained another human in their lives, but think barbells should be removed from gyms entirely just because they read one article. Um, number three, Rest times, again, something where I think I jumped the gun a little bit by diving down rabbit holes, reading too many studies. And you'll kind of see this massive divide on socials about rest times. Some people say, rest 45 seconds, get your heart rate up, get blood in the muscle, pump, 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 pump. And others being like, your set's a waste of time if you don't rest between three and five minutes. And the truth is, definitely somewhere in the middle. There are certain times where getting your heart rate up and training more for conditioning is the goal. So shorter rest time should be utilized, but it's not when attempting to maximize mechanical tension and getting the most out of your hypertrophy training. You want muscular failure to be the limiting factor there, not your cardiovascular system. So if you want something that spikes your heart rate and you want to grow, do separate cardio sessions a week. Um, you know, Leave your weight training for getting stronger, resting enough time between sets to be able to push more weight and do separate cardio and just eat a bit more food. 
that on the other side, you can just tell that some of these guys don't train actual human beings and never had. You know, I've been training the general population for over half a decade. And while that might not sound like a lot in the grand scheme of things, it's been a lot of fucking people. And most people have between 30 and 60 minutes to train each session. If you're resting five minutes between every fucking set, good luck getting anything done, especially if you're not like a really advanced lifter who knows where you need to be starting on all your warmups and your working sets, and you're still kind of feeling things out. The truth is, most of you out there listening probably don't lift heavy enough or with enough intensity to need more than two to three minutes rest per set. And I say that with love. I don't say that calling you a weak or shit at lifting, believe me, because I personally rest about two and a half to three minutes between each of my sets. And I like to think that I train pretty fucking close to failure on most lifts. Fuck, I trained a client this morning in person. We did squats, four sets of four. His final two sets were a 180 kilogram squat for four reps and a 190 kilogram squat for four reps. I think he rested about three and a half minutes in between the sets and he was ready to go. So unless you're doing these full-blown soul-destroying sets of hack squat that leave you completely fucked and floored by the final grinder of a rep, which... Most of you probably aren't. I know I'm not. Um, I subscribe now to more of a balanced two to three minute rest time approach with potentially closer to 90 seconds on lifts like laterals or tricep extensions, etc. Um, and that's not to say that you're always going to be here. You know, I mean, I've done sessions on the pendulum whereby I've then needed five to seven minutes to recover because my heart rate is so screwed. My head's kind of all over the place. My legs are cooked. Like sometimes you do do these sets where you push yourself so hard and you need to rest, but chances are you're not training hard enough to require five minutes rest between every single set, especially on things like a lateral raise or a bicep curl, uh, or even like a leg curl or a leg extension. Okay, moving on to nutrition now. The first one, we got we got to start here. It's BCAA supplements. And look, we've all been here, you know, but while BCAA, BCAAs do generally taste pretty fucking good, they're basically glorified lolly water. They have their places for sure. Believe me, they do have their places. Um, you know, if you're an elderly person who has sarcopenia and you need a convenient way to increase your amino acid levels, then you might consider taking a BCAA or an EAA. But if you're somebody who's eating adequate protein throughout the day from a variety of sources, especially if you're taking a protein powder supplement and that's a whey protein supplement, then taking BCAAs on top of that is kind of like watering your plants while it's raining. Um, and I know a lot of people take them because they think they're zero calorie and they're great for fasting, etc. But amino acids are literally found in protein and protein has calories. So for those of you who think, well, they don't break my fast because they're zero calories. So that's why I take them. You've kind of been mismarketed and misled. You know, don't stress. I used to do the same thing. I'd head to the gym for my morning cardio before I'd eaten with a shaker full of BCAAs and enough protein powder to give, uh, not protein powder, sorry, and enough other powders to give Pablo Escobar a furrowed brow. But yeah, if you're going to spend money on subs, BCAA is probably not the one. Um, if you want foods with really good amino acid profiles, you generally can't beat a whole egg. Seriously, go look it up. The amino acid profile in eggs, amazing. Number two, carbs. I'm going to break into two things I used to believe back in the day. Um, number one, that carbs would make you fat in general. And number two, that you couldn't have any carbs after 6 p.m. or your body wouldn't be able to metabolize them and you'd just store them as fat. Too much of anything is going to make you fat. If you ate 4,500 calories of spinach a day, you'd be fucking miserable, like really fucking miserable, and you'd gain body fat. So moral of the story, too much spinach makes you fat and miserable. God, that's a soundbite, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> Too much spinach makes you fat and miserable. Jeez. Anyway, it's not the carbs or the sugar that's making you fat. It's the amount of total calories you're taking in. Is it easy to eat a lot of calorie-dense, high-sugar foods because they're really palatable? Of course it is. Donuts taste great. So do lollies or sweets or sugar breads and all that sort of stuff. But 
you could switch out the 700 calorie donut for a 700 calorie block of cheese and you'd still gain body fat. It's not the carbs, it's the calorie intake. And regarding the whole not digesting overnight thing, I don't know who came up with this one, but wow. If your body just switched your metabolism off overnight, you'd have a lot more to worry about than just gaining a bit of body fat. Trust me. Do you burn less calories overnight? Yeah, you're asleep. You're not moving right? <laughs> That's how it works, you know, but it doesn't just stop your metabolic processes and you don't just store all those carbs as fat. They still get used, okay? Now, some of you probably shouldn't be eating too many of your carbs immediately before you sleep because it can cause some digestive troubles for some people. Um, but again, it's very individual and it's going to depend on what actual carb sources you're eating. I personally have no issue with it and tend to actually leave a larger percentage of my carbs for later in the day, especially if I'm dieting. But my girlfriend, Denise, if she eats too much bread, for example, before sleep, um, she feels like she gets really rough nights of sleep and doesn't rest as easy. So she tends to eat higher fat dinners rather than higher carb dinners. Not that she tracks her nutrition, but that's kind of just the way that it sort of works out. So if you're somebody like that, or you're somebody who finds that you need to monitor your blood sugar really closely, then you may have a different kind of approach to this. But for the average person who tolerates carbs well, doesn't really need to pay as much attention to their blood sugar, you know, it's not going to cause you to gain fat in the evenings, okay? You can eat carbs past 6 p.m. You know, you don't have to like devour a whole bottle of pasta at 5.58 p.m., which is something that I actually used to do. I used to time my dinners for like 5.45, 5.50 for a little while because I was like, oh my God, if I eat it in 10 minutes, I'm going to store all this fat. Like, and then you say it out loud and you realize, well, that's kind of kind of crazy, right? <laughs> Number three, fasting. So I actually went through stages with this one. Firstly, I actually loved it. I didn't eat anything until 1 p.m. other than consuming black coffee, water, and because I'm silly, BCAAs. Good one, Jack. Then I had a phase where I was like, nah, fasting sucks. Fasting's rubbish. I hate it. Never do it. Everybody stay away from it. And nowadays, again, I just realize it's another tool and not in the same way like that one guy at Starbucks who always yells about the oat milk is a tool. No, it's just another tool for nutritional compliance. If you're in a deficit and you're trying to consume less calories, potentially pushing back your first meal of the day or removing one altogether is a viable way of going about that, especially if you train later in the day and you feel you'll still be able to fuel up appropriately before lifting. It just doesn't seem to have any magical benefits, man. Like you, you read all this stuff of people spouting rubbish like anti-aging, gastrointestinal reset, autophagy, and all this other kind of white noise. And look, some people do feel better fasting, but do you know what often comes along with fasting? A better, more consistent feeding routine. And you know what generally comes along with routines? A better functioning and feeling human. Also, if you're going to go to the effort of not eating for this amount of hours per day and constraining all your food into these certain windows, chances are you're probably going to eat better quality foods because you're really thinking about your weight loss goals and your fat loss goals. So like... Is it the actual fasting or is it the result of what you do to fit the fasting into your lifestyle? You know, food for thought, excuse the pun. Final one as a bonus before I wrap this up, optimal training. Oh my God, he said the thing, optimal, ah! Uh, yeah, look, I'll be the first to admit I went way down this rabbit hole in 2021, 22 and uh, kind of ended up on this whole this is the best versus this is shit kind of mentality around training and just digested a lot of content from what I think was probably the wrong people at the time who I've long since decided to kind of stop digesting that content and that's a little note for everybody out there whether you're a coach whether you're not like you choose who you digest content from you don't have to digest content from people that are always really negative about things and that kind of make you feel like shit when you read it you know if, if you're somebody who just trains because they enjoy it and somebody's sitting there spouting off all this stuff being like i hate this i hate this rah 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 you're all wrong you all suck blah 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 like 
you don't have to follow that, you know, you can follow other people, you can follow people who actually give out information of things to do rather than always just things not to do, um, you know, because there's, there's a lot of good content on social media that is very educational and does give you really good ideas and does have this kind of balanced approach. Um, and yes, okay, there's going to be times where, you know, I do it, I make content telling you guys, don't do this because it doesn't work in the way that you think it does. And it is a bit of a waste of time. And sometimes that content does need to be heard, believe me. But, you know, at other times, if it's just constantly negative about everything, then you don't have to follow that. Um, But look, I have nothing wrong with the optimal approach. And at the end of the day, I still look to optimize my clients' training, nutrition, routine, etc. But in a way that's most optimal in the context of their lives, rather than in the context of a single study says this, so therefore it's the only way to do anything. And I'll probably change my mind in a few weeks anyway when something new is published to stay ahead of the algorithm. You know, and this is what optimal should be. And that's why I'm so grateful for a lot of the friendships that I'm lucky to have in this industry. And you can go back and listen to lots of the conversations we have because I've done podcasts with most of them because we talk about what's optimal for individuals rather than what should potentially be an overarching optimal approach for everyone because it doesn't fucking exist you know and there's always the end of one experience to consider and lots of gray area instead of everything being black and white you know some people are going to blow their fucking quads up back squatting because they have incredible leverages great ankle mobility and this ability to stay upright and just push their knees like as far forward as they can. And some people like myself aren't, you know, squats have been great for my glute growth, but not probably for my quad growth. I've needed machine squats, you know, pendulums, hack squats, things like that. Some people might not even be able to do that. They may need a split squat. And similarly, some people may find a barbell press puts their shoulders into a shitty position, causes lots of pain, and others may be able to move 150 kilograms for reps, no problems, never have an issue, and grow massive pecs. So at the end of the day with Optimal, you should be striving to optimize your training and your nutrition 100%, but you should be striving to optimize it for you. And sometimes with that optimizing it for you, enjoyment and fun have to come into things a little bit as well and what's kind of easiest for you on the day doesn't always have to be this black and white you can only ever do these five exercises or exercises from this angle or blah 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 with this piece of equipment it should also have an element of individuality for you not because of any arbitrary polarizing statement that you saw somewhere on social media be it youtube be it tiktok whatever it is All right, that's all for today. Don't forget to leave a positive review if you haven't already and you enjoyed the show. No pressure, but I'd really appreciate it. Follow the show if you want to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find links for coaching down below. I do actually still have a few spots still open that I'm trying to get filled. So if you would like one of those, let's book in a consult and have a chat. I'll speak to you all soon. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers.